Amen. Thank you, Lord. Amen. We're glad you're here today. You've joined us at Lighthouse Fellowship, and we're glad that you're uh, live streaming with us today. And I pray this message would really speak to your hearts. It's something I pray it would be encouragement. We've come to church not just to obviously learn, because we need to learn and we need to grow in that manner, but we also need to obviously put the rubber to the road. We need to obviously apply these truths every day, and I pray today you'd be encouraged because a lot of people, you know, we've been going through a lot, and it seems like we're in a season where just that we're persevering and enduring, and I just pray that God would give you strength and give you power to push through this time. We need to pray for our country today. We've been just talking about it just a moment ago, and we need to pray that God would truly bring peace and also reconciliation in people's lives. You know, obviously, Jesus recon reconciled us to the Father, obviously. So he's in the business of reconciliation. And we just pray people would come be reconciled with Jesus, with the Father. Uh, and they would come to a place of real peace because Jesus really is our only way and he's our only peace. So pray for that. Pray that God would heal those that are still being afflicted by this uh, COVID-19. Pray that God would heal God would protect our uh, medical staff and so forth. Those who are dealing with this, we need to pray for that. Pray for whatever your need may be. God hears your prayers. He loves that. He's a father to us. We just sang the song that he is a good, good father to us. And uh, he is good, and he's good all the time. So I just pray you be blessed today. And watching wherever you are today, and this word would go forth, and the word of God would change our hearts. So we just bless you. So let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this time together. We thank you for your word, your truth, and your presence. And Lord, we just ask you to touch every person here in this sanctuary, but also, Lord, who are watching there, wherever they may be, in their homes, uh, their places of residence. We ask you, Father, to speak to us. We need a word. We need you, Lord. And we ask you, Father, today that you would come and bring peace in this country. Peace, dear Lord, in people's hearts. And we know the only way to to that peace, real peace, is through a relationship with Jesus Christ. And so, Lord, today, if there is uncertainty in someone's heart who's watching this today or in the sanctuary who has never received Jesus into their lives, maybe today would be the day that they bow their hearts and bow their heads and say, Jesus, I need you. I need you to come into my life and to save me. Today may be that people need healing today. We know you are a healer. You're Jehovah Rapha. You heal. We pray for healing today in people's lives here as they view this, this live streaming. We pray for healing. We pray for deliverance. We pray, Lord, for you to fill people with your spirit and your power to be able to go through these times that we're walking in right at this very moment. And we pray, Lord, today that we would always be aware that we are never alone, that you're always with us. And so, Lord, speak. Let us get out of the way and let your word and your truth come forth in power. And may today, truly, fathers, being that this is Father's Day, may all fathers have a happy Father's Day. May they be, obviously, the spiritual head of their families. And may they truly celebrate this day. And, and Lord, may they truly bless their children and their families. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Happy Father's Day to you as we begin this message. We want to turn to Psalm 24. I want to talk about something I think is, is why do we seek the Lord? Why do we seek? Are there benefits in seeking the Lord? I believe there are great benefits. God says that, you know, here in this scripture, as we will read and we'll, we'll talk about today, why do we seek the Lord? 
And this is Psalm 24, verses 1 through 6. The Lord, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. For he founded it upon the seas and he established it upon the waters. Who may ascend the hill of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart who does not lift up his soul to an idol or swear by what is false. He will receive blessing from the Lord and vindication from God his Savior. Such is the generation of those who seek him, who seek your face, O God of Jacob. I'm going to go ahead and read the rest of this particular psalm because it's so powerful. Lift up your heads, O you gates. Be lifted up, you ancient doors, for the King of glory may come in. Who is this king of glory? The strong, the Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O you gates. Lift them up, you ancient doors, that the king of glory may come in. Who is he, this king of glory? The Lord Almighty. He is the king of glory. You know, maybe he's saying here that we need to obviously open the door of our hearts. And let the king of glory comes in. He wants to come in and take residence in our hearts. Come and and live within us and to be with us by his spirit today. And so we're not alone. That we do have a comforter. We do have someone with us who will lead us through these perilous times that we're going through. And I believe the scripture points that out. But our question today is why seek the Lord? Why are we here? Are there any benefits? Obviously, we know when you receive Jesus Christ that we know that we're going to heaven. And, 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 you know, it may be sooner than we know. We never know that timing. But why is it that we seek the, the Lord? Because the pursuit of God is a lifelong quest. It's not really a phase in our spiritual growth. And it's not optional. Rather, it's fundamental. It's foundational that we seek the Lord here and we continue to seek him, continue to draw close to him in fellowship and continue to grow in our knowledge of him. It's what Christianity is all about. In other words, you don't want to just take up the status quo that you want to grow in your relationship with the Lord. And so therefore, what we do is we seek the Lord with all of our hearts. You see, true religion isn't just a matter of right knowledge or right conduct. Actually, Christianity is a relationship, an ever-deepening experience of God, a lifetime of striving after Him in faith and obedience and love. And so, as I talk about this today, and I always mention, I believe, it's not that we can just learn something here, because definitely we need to learn. That's the beginning steps. But we need to put into action what we will learn in this place. And so the purpose of this message is to somehow motivate you, to convince you, to persuade you that, that, that there is something that we need to be doing and we can't be complacent about it. We can't rest here on what we already know or what we've already experienced. Because, see, God Almighty is so big, there's so much to Him that we can experience and know in our lifetime. And so this is why we seek the Lord. God is a big God. God wants us to know Him. He wants us to come in that relationship with Him. He doesn't want us to stop and be stagnant in our relationship with Him. It's important to know that. And it's important to know that when that happens, we're guaranteed success. Don't you want to be successful in life? I know as I do a life review in my lifetime now, I look back and I'm going, have I been successful in my life? And, and sometimes, you know, well, you go, well, 
you know, have you? What have you accomplished and all that? And we sort of look at, look at the things that we have done, maybe even for the Lord. Nothing wrong with that. But sometimes we, we sort of like uh, hang our hats on those things. And see, God is looking at us to seek him. He's actually looking at you and me to see whether or not we're faithful. Just doing what he tells us to do. Just coming in a deeper relationship with him. And if we do, and we pursue him, and we press into him, and we seek him with all of our hearts, according to the Bible, then he shall be found by us. But you see, sometimes we think that this is just an optional thing because, you know, we've got all we've got. No, there's so much more to God than we've ever experienced. And you see here, God's not hiding. He's not hiding from us, but he's not unwilling to be found, certainly, but neither will he reveal himself to the careless or to the indifferent or to the merely curious. God will be known, and he will be known only by those who seek him. I want to know God. How about you? I want to know him. You know, Paul says, and Paul obviously had been taken up into the third heaven. He had been in, in obviously, the arena of where heaven, where God actually dwells, and yet he said there were things that he couldn't talk about because you wouldn't understand it, too lofty, too, too wonderful to be able to try to pin down in words and so forth. And yet this is what Paul said, I want to know you and the power of your resurrection. So he wanted to know the Lord. Think about Moses here as he led the children of, of Israel out of bondage, out of slavery, certain symbolic of us coming out of slavery to sin when we accept Jesus Christ, coming out of our Egypt there, coming out of our sin and receiving him, being forgiven for our sin, redeemed from our sins, redeemed from slavery there. And Moses had been up on the mountain and remember the glory of God had shown upon him. In fact, when he came down from the mountain, if you remember the, there in the word of God, is that the glory of God shone so bright and the people didn't want to see him and he had to put something over his head to sort of uh, keep the glory down. And yet, what did Moses say after experiencing and being in the presence of the Lord to that extent? He said, show me your glory. He wanted to know God. He said, show me your glory. He had communion with the Lord. And that's the way we are also. So it's a never-ending conquest of continuing to press into God. Continuing to know God. There's so much more that we should know that we don't know. So this morning, I want to show you that not only do we need to be doing this, but that seeking and knowing God will give us one of the greatest possible happiness and satisfaction that you can ever have. I bet you if I had a survey in here today that none of you would say, I don't want happiness or satisfaction. You know, no one would turn that down, would they? None of us would turn that down. But certainly, how can we obtain that? We see in this world, it's certainly in this world, because this world is uncertain from moment to moment. There are things that are happening in this world today that I never thought would happen. There are attitudes that are being shown in this world today that I never thought would happen here. And so how is it that you can go through this world and have that peace that passes all understanding, an inner peace, and you can go through these troubled waters that we're going through? It is by seeking the Lord here. We can obviously, I'll tell you one thing, if you seek the Lord, I'll guarantee you that it will be obviously give you the greatest possible happiness and satisfaction that you could ever experience in in your life. And so today I want to stimulate you to seek God wholeheartedly, not merely out of a sense of duty because we're Christians, 
but because something down deep is saying, I want to know God. And see, the Spirit of God, as we begin to take that, the Bible says to draw near to God, and He will draw near to us. As we take that step towards Him, then He'll take that step towards us. As we begin to seek Him with all of our hearts, He begins to unfold, as it may be said, more and more and more. It's a more of God, you see. There's so much to God that, that we have not seen at all here. And I want, I want you to see it's something attractive and desirable rather than dull or tedious. I think I said here a couple weeks ago that one uh, pastor said that, you know, if, if the gospel is boring and dull, then it's a sin. Because I'm excited about my faith. I'm telling you, and I'm not saying that I'm jumping off the walls every day, but I'm telling you, there's something about it. When you reflect upon what Jesus Christ had done for you at Calvary, he saved our soul. We're headed to heaven. We one day will be there in his presence, healed, completely whole, in the presence of glory forevermore. Around the throne of grace, and the 10,000 times the 10,000 singing praises to our God. Isn't that wonderful? Don't you look forward to that? But until that time, we seek the Lord here. And I want to seek, I want you to seek God, not reluctantly, but with enthusiasm and with zeal to seek the Lord here. But why? Why does it matter? Whatever we might think, a life seeking God will make us happy. Why is it we may think that? It isn't enough to know that the Bible commands it, is it? No. It isn't just enough to know that. You know, we're called Christians here and, and you know, we need, to, uh, we need to seek the Lord. Why is it then? It's because if we don't, we will naturally choose the way of the flesh. You hear? You'll naturally choose in the old way, in your old life of doing things. You see, that flesh will rear its ugly head and you won't do the things that the Spirit wants you to do or the things God wants you to do because He is God. But you will do the things of the flesh. You will naturally choose, obviously, because obviously we naturally choose what we think will t- lend or tend to be our greatest happiness and satisfaction. Isn't that true? We will gyrate to those things that we naturally think will be the most, to make us most happy and to make us more satisfied if we're not walking in the Spirit, if we're not seeking the Lord. And that's why it is very important. You see, as we seek the Lord, it doesn't have to be immediate benefit. It can be a future benefit. Because obviously, you think about it. Doctors who go to a medical school, and they study and study. And many of them are, are studying. They have very little as far as financial su- support and so forth. But they strive. And then they come out in their internship. And they're, they're working many, many hours per day. They're probably getting very, very little money at that point. Why do they do that? They do it because they know what the future holds. It's because they can fulfill their calling in helping people and reaching out and giving support to people at a time of illness or, or whatever it may be, cancer or whatever it may be. So they work hard. And it's the same with you and I. The reason that we're doing it, not just for the immediate benefits of seeking the Lord, although there are blessings every day. I don't know about y'all. I've been blessed this past week. How about y'all? Amen? We've been blessed. I've been blessed in spite of this COVID-19, in spite of what I see on the TV. Turn the TV off, by the way. It's depressing. Just turn it off. Get along with the Lord and seek His face. You see, in spite of all those things, 
you know. But if you don't, you'll naturally choose something that you think may make you happy here. And happy can mean a lot of different things, right? Personal fulfillment, physical pleasure, having control over one's own life, gaining power and control over others, or respect or recognition or prestige, financial security and freedom from material wants, love, friendship, appreciation, all those things. Okay. And so what happens? Satan comes along. And he wants to tempt someone to do evil. So what does he do? He presents to these people in their minds as something that's highly desirable. Okay? You're not pressing into God and you're not seeking the Lord. And he comes along and says, you know, uh, look, at, look at the pleasure you have. It could be anything, folks. I just mentioned some of the things. But he comes along and he begins to tempt you and say, doesn't that look good? Doesn't that look good? Doesn't that look better than really this boring type of Christian walk that you're going in and so forth. And, you know, Jim says it, and the Bible says that we need to seek the Lord with all of our hearts and God will be found. I've been seeking him and it seems like things are getting worse. And Satan comes along and he begins to tempt you. What did he do with Eve? He came by with Eve there. And Satan, after he, Satan was done talking to her, she saw the, that the apple was what? Good for food and pleasing to the eye. And also desirable for gaining wisdom in Genesis chapter 3. She forgot about the fact that it was poison. She looked, it looked desirable. Satan comes along and gives you. Because see, down deep, I believe there's a deep need to obviously to have. And I talk about it, the word happy. But it, you can call it a deep down joy. A deep down peace. A deep down satisfaction down deep in your life. And all. And, and you think, golly, day of a Christian. And sometimes, again, it looks like an ha- uphill battle. It looks like it's getting tougher and tougher the older I get. It looks like, well, obviously, the warfare around us, spiritual warfare, is getting worse and worse and worse. And yes, it does. And so if you don't have some things in mind as far as why you seek the Lord in this with all your heart, then you'll, you'll, obviously you could very well naturally choose or you could listen to the devil and be tempted to find those things that you think may bring you personal satisfaction. But I want to share with you some things about this because it's very, very important that we know that seeking the Lord will give us the greatest satisfaction and happiness that you could ever have. The greatest that you would ever have, obviously. Obviously, if you keep on trying and gritting your teeth and doing it, you can't do it. You will not stand up. You will not continue to seek the Lord if you just think, hey, this is the Christian thing to do. Why? I want to share with you what I believe. And that is, if you're not utterly convinced, and I'll say this very, very plainly, if you're not utterly convinced that seeking the Lord with all of your heart will bring you the greatest happiness and satisfaction, then what will happen is you'll drift away. You'll say, at some point along this journey, and and we persevere, yes. But if we're not absolutely convinced that Jesus and, and finding God is obviously the greatest, obviously, goal that we have, if you call it that, certainly, that we have will bring you the greatest happiness and peace and satisfaction in your life. You won't seek that. You'll let other things crowd in. And I believe that's what's happened in a lot of Christians' lives today. I believe that they drifted away because they weren't convinced that doing it God's way, that seeking God was the way to, obviously, life and more abundant life there. And they bought into that. Satan said, doesn't that look good? 
And you don't think that any one of us can be tempted, certainly, in the Lord's Prayer. And when it says that Jesus is saying, and lead us not into temptation. And God doesn't tempt us. But in that prayer right before, and deliver us from what? The evil one. Deliver us from evil. Deliver us from the evil one. We're all tempted. We all. And so when we somehow get in our hearts that maybe, and we would never say it out open because we're Christians and we're we're committed and so forth. But we'd never say that obviously seeking the Lord uh, wouldn't bring us the greatest satisfaction at all. You have to have down deep that, that, that God obviously has the best plan for our lives. You have to know and be convinced of that. Be convicted of that. To know that you know that you know. Because when the temptation comes along, something looks a little better, doesn't it? That shiny car, so to speak. I love, I've always used this illustration. I love the, the new car smell. You know, I love that. I could just sit in new cars. I could just go in a parking lot and go from one car to the other and smell new car smell. I like that, okay? It gives me pleasure, okay? I know it's kind of weird, but y'all know I'm strange. You already know that. But I've, all, I've had cars, new cars, and, you know, uh, even my Honda, and it smelled good for a while, but it's, it went away, didn't it? You see, what happens is when this takes place and Satan comes along and whispers in your ear that, hey, something looks a little bit better, and maybe it'll give you a little bit more happy, make you more happy or more satisfied. He whispered, and you get over there, and it seems like, hey, the grass is greener on the other side of the fence. And then you get over there, and you go, man, it's not greener at all. That, that grass has made me sick. And you realize it, right? Isn't that what it is? The greatest way and path to have the greatest happiness and satisfaction is to seek the Lord, to seek Him. And He says He'll be found by us. And it's very important to know that, that we, we are not to sit back on our laurels. We are to seek the Lord here. Let me th- mention this to you. Perhaps someone with billions of dollars in oil money and palaces and fleets of gold Rolls Royces and obviously a harem, are they really better off than we are? Think about it. Is that possible? Yes. In fact, uh, we have a, a case study in the book of Ecclesiastes. King Solomon had all of those things. But listen to what he says in Ecclesiastes chapter 2. He said this, I thought in my heart, come now, and I will test you with pleasure to find out what is good. But that also proved to be meaningless. I undertook great projects. I built houses for myself and planted vineyards. I made gardens and parks and planted all kinds of fruit trees in them. I made reservoirs to water groves of flourishing trees. I bought male and female slaves and had other slaves who were born in my house. I also owned more herds of flocks than and flocks than anyone in Jerusalem before me. I amassed silver and gold for myself and the treasure of kings and provinces. I acquired men and women singers and a harem as well, the delights of the heart of man. I became greater by far than anyone in Jerusalem before me. In all this, my wisdom stayed with me. I denied myself nothing my eyes desired. I refused my heart no pleasure. My heart took delight in all of my work, and this was the reward of all my labor. Yet, when I surveyed all that my hands had done and what I had toiled to achieve, listen to what he says, everything, what, was meaningless. A chasing after the wind, nothing was gained under the sun. You see, King Solomon, he had it all. 
He has so much. And he's telling us here. But what he did was he took a life review. And he said, how have I been successful in this? Well, it looks like it. But down deep, what was happening is King Solomon was emptied. He knew something wasn't right. He found out that all that stuff was meaningless. All that stuff that he had pursued wasn't worth a plug nickel because it was never satisfying. So I want to tell you today and convince you, and I want to persuade you, and I want to motivate you to seek the Lord with all of your heart because in Jeremiah 29, he said, when you seek with me with all your heart, then I will be found by you. The greatest happiness that we could ever have, the greatest peace that anyone could ever have would be in a relationship and seeking after the Lord, you see. You know, what happens here, Satan tells us that if we could have this or that or the other thing, we would be happy. And then if we get it and find that we're not, he tells us that we just need a little bit more of it, right? Or that somehow we need something else. Isn't that what he does? I'm not happy with this, and I go on. And that's why addictions are running rampant. That's why we know failed marriages are taking place. I mean, just here and there. We, that's why we see sexual immorality. That's why we see the rioting and the looting that we see. People busting in and taking armloads of clothes and all the merchandise out of there. That's why we see these things. And you, I guarantee you, when they take it home and they put it on or whatever they may do with it or sell it, somehow down deep that they'll never be satisfied, they'll never be happy, they'll never have that down deep peace that God Almighty and He alone can give. Amen. It's the only way. And seeking the Lord is the only way. In Psalm 16, it says, You have made known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. In Psalm 36, How priceless is your unfailing love, both high and low. Among men find refuge in the shadow of your wings. They feast on the abundance of your house. You give them drink with from your river of delights. Delight yourself in the Lord. And what? And he will give you desires of your heart. Psalm 37 here. Isaiah says this in Isaiah 55. Why spend money on what's not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy? Listen, listen to me and eat what is good and your soul will delight in the riches of fare. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. Why are you spending money on all this stuff? It doesn't bring happiness it doesn't bring satisfaction at all. Now, somebody would say and object to this and say, well, isn't it looking like you're saying all these blessings are directed to, or, to us? Isn't this kind of selfish and so forth? And yes, Jim, I know that as you seek the Lord that the byproduct of these things will be all these blessings and so forth. No, God, God is saying today that we're to seek Him, certainly for who He is, but certainly for what? the precious promises, the rewards. The thing that will keep you going in thick and thin when things get so bad will certainly keep you going because you know where you're going and you know the promises that God has given us through His Word. Because when nothing around us is changing and nothing around us makes sense, you'll look and say, I know where I'm headed and I know the promise of God that I have eternal life I know the benefit of that. And that's not selfish. 
That's the word of God. The rewards that he gives us. The rewards. In uh, Luke chapter 5, listen to this. But love your enemies, do good to them, and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. And then your reward, your reward, will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High, because he is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked here. And listen to Luke 14. Then Jesus said to the host, When you give a luncheon or dinner, do not invite your friends, your brothers or relatives, or your rich neighbors. If you do, they may invite you back. And so you'll be obviously uh, repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor and crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed. And although they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. Why do we do what we're doing? Why do we seek the Lord? It's because there's something in store for you and I as we seek Him. This is going to be greater than any of these earthly pleasures that we somehow accumulate. They'll never measure up. You see, we have a choice. We've been taught somehow that it, they have a proper motive about this and all. And, you know, don't look at self and so forth and all. But what we're doing is saying, what leads us to God Almighty? Because He's the one that we're seeking after. He is His love and His presence in our lives. A desire to know Him is what we're after. Isn't that right? In Hebrews 11, listen to this. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and what? And that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. He rewards them who earnestly seek him. I know about those rewards. I'm just, I'm just scratching the surface on those rewards. But let me tell you today, there's more that I want to know as I seek the Lord with all my heart. Because he will reward us. The Bible says, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy, the joy set before him, endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God, Hebrews 12. A living translation said, he was willing to die a shameful death on the cross because what? Of the joy that he knew would be, uh, be his afterward. In other words, he was looking forward to the reward. Jesus, he's looking forward to the reward there. Let me tell you, it's crucial. Many Christians have a great difficulty day to day in seeking and following the God. Why? It's because they intentionally disregard one of the primary motives for godliness. They are ignoring all of the help that God has given us in the form of these precious promises. They think it's wrong to seek God and obey him with their own happiness in mind. And so they try to do it from purely disinterested motives. But not only does that go against human nature, it's also disobedient to Scripture. God wants us to keep His rewards in mind. When you're suffering, keep His rewards in mind. When you're going through challenging times you have no answer for, when nothing makes sense, when no one has an answer, keep His rewards in mind. Why? It's because you'll continue to seek Him. And you won't listen to Satan saying, ah, this over here, this can make you happy. This really can kind of, you know, you follow this God thing and nothing's happening. It's getting worse here. And he comes along, he says, this will really make you happy. And that's what people have done. That's what people are doing today. They're looking for love in all the wrong places, right? 
and not seeking the Lord with all their heart. Well, if this is true, then why is it true? Why would God choose to motivate us to be faith, that faithful obedience by promising us uh, a personal benefit? And I'll tell you why. It's because He wants us to remember that our fundamental relationship with Him is one of receiving from Him. I'm going to kind of bristle maybe some here today, but I want to tell you the truth. Our primary relationship with Jesus Christ is receiving from Him rather than giving to Him. One of being served rather than being and serving. In fact, we can't give Him anything that He hasn't already given us. We all know that, don't we? So our primary relationship with Him, obviously, means that we have, we're receivers. And we're recipients, what? Of His grace and His mercy. We think, man, I, I, I do this. And see, what happens again, just like in the book of Galatians, they, they begin to sort of slide over into works instead of by grace we've been saved. And see, the whole thing is grace. We you know, I can't earn it. And we work and we do. We obviously serve the Lord out of our love for Him, not because we're trying to gain our salvation. We can't gain our salvation. That's a, a gift of grace. That's just purely a gift that God gives us here. We need to understand that every act of obedience, every experience of suffering for Christ, all of our labors and our striving after God, they're channels by which we can receive good things from God. <laughs> you say, oh, are you crazy, Jim? You know what I'm going through? You know how it is, young man, this is going on and, and so forth. They are channels that God can channel a blessing to you because it may not be immediate. I want it right now because I'm in a microwave society, Right? But it may not be immediate. But the future rewards, the future promises are blessings in Acts 17. Listen, he's not served by human hands as if he needs anything because he himself gives all life and breath and everything else. And then in Psalm 50, if I were hungry, I wouldn't tell you. For the world is mine and all that is in it. So what does the Bible tell us about Jesus? Uh, that he, he didn't come uh, to be served by us or... Uh, but, but to what? To serve in Mark chapter 10, verse 45. You think that's changed? No. He still serves you and me today. You see, he always will be there. Listen to this. Be dressed ready for service and keep your lamps burning. And like men waiting for their master to return from a wedding banquet. So that when he comes and knocks, they can immediately open the door for him. It will be good for those servants whose master finds him watching when he comes. And then he says... I tell you the truth, he will dress himself to serve and will have them recline at the table and will come in and wait on them. He's talking about Jesus. He obviously prepares a table for us, what? In the presence of our enemies. And what God invites you and I to do is to come in and have a relationship with with him. He invites us to come in and receive from him. That sounds selfish. It almost sounds like, man, come on, Jim. Get to the point. But you see, he calls us to come in and dine with him. Think about it. The wedding supper of the Lamb. The wedding supper of the Lamb. We'll be there. God, Jesus is going to serve us there. And we'll be able to see things and we'll see him as he is. That's going to be the greatest time. You see, when Christ returns, we won't be serving him. Instead, he tells us that we'll sit at the table 
He'll wrap a towel around his waist and he'll come and wait on us. You remember there? You remember what he said to Peter in uh, John chapter 13 when uh, he went and he obviously, uh, when Peter, when they're right there at the end uh, before Jesus was crucified and uh, this is almost offensive. Look at, listen to this. It makes us want to recall, as Peter did, when Christ began washing the disciples' feet. And what did Peter say? Lord, are you going to wash my feet? And he said, uh, you shall never wash my feet. And what did Jesus say? Remember Peter said, you'll never wash my feet. What did Jesus say? Jesus said, unless I wash you, you have no part with me almost recoil because Jesus is the one. And we think so often, man, we got to stay in there by doing this and that and so forth, and God's grace is abundant. You see, when we think that way, we don't really know about what grace is and faithfulness and mercy. We don't understand the depth of that, you see. He recalled, and sometimes we recall at these things also. You see, he serves us, and he wants us, and we do serve the Lord. We do that. In the sense that we respond in an obedience as a servant responds to his master. But not in the sense that we provide him anything that he lacks. Everything we give to him, we first receive from him, right? Amen? Everything that we give to him, we've already received from him. Jesus Christ did not come to be served, but rather to serve. And that's what grace is all about. Peter said to him in Mark 10, We've left everything to follow you. And he says, I tell you the truth, Jesus replied, no one has left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for me, and the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age, obviously, and in the age to come, eternal life. Serve the Lord, what's he say? You're going to get an abundance of a blessing as a result of that. That's why we seek the Lord again. That's why we press into God. That's why we don't back up. We don't, obviously, withdraw when things are going t- getting tough. We seek him even more diligently. And that's why when this coronavirus hit, when all these things are happening, we should be seeking the Lord even more diligently. See, Peter is saying, look how much we've sacrificed for you in this, this scripture. Look how much we've done for you. Look at how much we struggled and suffered for you. And, and what does Jesus really tell him? Is that he's completely off the mark. He hasn't really given up anything for Christ. All he's done is exchange some things for others that are far greater. And whatever Peter had given, he would receive a hundred times as much in return. Hallelujah. That's great. So we really don't sacrifice for him. We think, well, we sacrifice and we've done that. Some of the people, oh, saints in the past, and they do this and that. Obviously, they've received greatly beyond anything that they have sacrificed. And whatever they have, they receive from the Lord anyway. We come to this world with nothing, what? And we leave this world with nothing, right? Whatever we have comes from our Father in heaven, amen? It all belongs to Him, certainly here. And no matter what we give to God, we receive back even more here. And obviously, in a Christian life, we, we've received so much, right? You know, when we, God, I believe, is pleased when we humbly just say, thank you, Lord. Thank you. Just be grateful. That's why Thanksgiving is so important. 
We talk about Thanksgiving a lot more than just at Thanksgiving time. But Thanksgiving is important here because we receive back so much. It doesn't, we don't sacrifice anything. <laughs> we receive, we thank you. We receive eternal life to be in his glory, his presence forever and ever and ever, you see. Can't be selfish here with this because God has set it up. Our greatest desire, obviously, is not for the gifts, but for the gift giver. Our greatest desire is hunger to know him, his presence, his love for us. You know, when a young man proposes marriage to a woman and gives her a diamond as an engagement ring and her rejoicing in the gift isn't because of the number of carats or how clear the diamond is, certainly here, or its dollar value, her rejoicing is in what the ring signifies, the love and commitment of her fiancé, right? It's not in the things at all. And in the same way, I rejoice in over all the good things that God promises of those who seek him is ultimately a rejoicing in God himself. That's why I say I want to know God. I want to seek him. I want to know him. I want to seek him more than what I'm even seeking him now. I want to experience him. There's so much to God. You know, a song we were singing, he calls us deeper and deeper into that relationship. A relationship with Jesus is not one that's stagnant and not just sort of the status quo. A relationship with Jesus Christ goes deeper and deeper as we seek him more and more. And what does that entail? It's just prayer time, getting prayer, talking to him, communing, developing your relationship with him, getting alone, getting in his presence. You are in his presence now. Wherever it may be where you can just sit and you can reflect upon really, the obviously, the priorities in life, the things that are really important. Because life will get you so busy and me so busy is that I'm distracted and I'll go on along. And before long, days have gone back and I look back and I'm going, my goodness, wait a minute, wait a minute. And I've lost that peace, I've lost that satisfaction, and I've lost that happiness down deep. And I want to go back. When that happens, I want you to go back to where that was lost. When you got too busy for God. When you weren't seeking him. And something else came in the picture. And Satan even suddenly began to speak and began to say something. Hey, that looks a whole lot better over there, right? It's what you're doing and so forth. But you see, none of this will happen unless you're utterly convinced in what I'm talking about today. And this is what I want to leave you with, certainly. That you've got to be utterly convinced that the true way to happiness and satisfaction and peace and joy is in seeking the Lord with all of your heart and giving your life to Jesus. And that's why we can say, as David did in Psalm 40, I take joy in doing your will, my God. We can seek God and follow Him and obey Him with gladness and joy, knowing that no matter how much we give or sacrifice or suffer, we'll receive far more from, from Him in return. It's impossible to give to God and not receive a hundredfold back because He loves us. He's a giver of good gifts. And we seek him with all of our hearts. But see, he's a gentleman in that way. He won't force. He doesn't want us just to come carelessly in our relationship with him. If your relationship with Jesus Christ is not first in your life, then let's go back and begin to do a review and say what really is important. In hospice, as a chaplain, I did hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of, ser- of funeral services. And I would stand sometimes at the casket, and I would look. And, and you know, I, I, I did people who had a lot of money and not people who didn't have a lot of money. 
big houses, uh, river oaks, you name it, all over, all these things. I would stand many times at the, at the service and look and say, you know, and, and have this reflection. I wonder if they knew the most valuable thing that they could take over to the other side was their relationship with Jesus Christ. Or did they hang their hat on something that the world presented to them? That Satan said, this looks better over here. People today are just going full steam ahead, doing this and that, and not rejoicing in the Lord, you see. We enjoy the gifts and we receive them. We exalt in them, certainly. We give thanks for the joy and peace and answered prayer. And we're thankful for Christian fellowship even. But we're grateful for all the good things which God showers on us. But ultimately, in everything we see from God, our heart is lifted up to Him and what? His love for us. That's where our real joy comes from. And that's the real reason for, for our rejoicing. So let us therefore seek the Lord with all of our hearts, soul, mind, and strength every day of our lives that we'll receive from Him all that he desires to give us. And that's what it's all about. Amen? Does this make sense? Is this kind of resonating? Want to be happy? Seek the Lord with all your heart. Find the Lord. Because he's there. He's waiting. But obviously, and he's not trying to hide. He just says, seek me and I shall be found. And that's the word of God. And what God says, it's going to happen. If you'll seek him, you'll find him. I want to know the Lord in that way, and it takes time. It's a relationship, right? And relationships take time. Relationships take uh, energy. Relationships take priority and whatever it is. And, you know, uh, we get tired and, you know, we sort of drift aside and so forth. But what are we coming back to today? I believe God wants to pour his spirit out. And I want God to do that because I see a nation that's hurting. And I see young people today that are looking for hope that don't have any hope. But they're looking for hope, actually. The rioting and all the stuff we, we've got with the signs up and so forth. And nothing wrong with protesting. I'm for freedom. But let me tell you, ultimately, the real source of healing and hope and satisfaction and happiness is a relationship with Jesus Christ. There's no other way, church. There's no one else. No one else. I pray. And I pray about this because I pray, Lord, in some ways, even I say, well, I, I don't know how much of a desire I have for this and so forth. And again, I go back and say, Lord, give me that desire. So wherever you may be with this today is no one thing. Is God wants that relationship with you. He wants you to find him. He wants you to seek him with all your heart. But we got to be willing. It's just like salvation. The only way that we can come to salvation is actually by realizing that we're a sinner and we're in need of a Savior. Many people say, I don't need Jesus. I don't need anybody to save me. I haven't done anything really bad, you know. I've done this and that and so forth. Yeah, I know, but, you know, it wasn't really bad. It wasn't any of those things like murder or any of those other things and so forth. I don't need a Savior. You see, the only way we can come to Jesus is realizing that unless Jesus saves us, we're going to be cast out into utter darkness. There's a conviction in our heart. And you see, I'm convicted, and I know that you may be too, is the only way to true happiness and satisfaction 
is seeking the Lord and knowing Him. Amen? Amen. Thank you. Amen. Thank you. Just pray whatever the need is today. I pray that God would speak and His Word would go forth. And not just, again, that this would be another Bible story or lesson, but that it would motivate us to seek the Lord even more diligently than we are. So, Father, I come to you today. But these that are here in the sanctuary and those who are listening live stream-wise, and dear God, that you would convict our hearts that, Lord, our real purpose for living is in a real relationship, a living, vibrant relationship with, with you, O oh Lord. And we ask you today, Lord, that you would place in our hearts a greater desire, a greater hunger and thirst for righteousness, a greater desire to press in, to seek you with all of our hearts that you may be found. And dear God, today that many people throughout this land, in the churches today, the churches would open back up again. This coronavirus, Lord, would be obviously just blown out. And people would come back together and assemble themselves in the church house to praise and worship your holy name. And so, Lord, today we pray that your kingdom would come and your will would be done on earth as it is in heaven, in our lives, in our corporate worship in our churches in our missions in our focus in our vision and again in this country called the United States of America and Lord you would have your way in our hearts once again may Jesus eternally be praised and worshiped and it's in his holy name we pray amen amen all of God's people said amen amen thank you for watching we just uh, glad you were here with us today I pray that you would have a blessed week. Again, happy Father's Day to all of you. Fathers should take their, certainly, their role in teaching and leading the family in a loving way and their children and their families. And that's why we obviously, we are here as fathers and we give God the praise and the glory. Amen. Y'all have a great day in the Lord. Amen.